Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hi, I hope all is well. Um, to my yeah, my fellow Ghanaians and those obviously who generally like to take in Ghanaian content or content that may actually evolve around either player development or player constraints. And I say constraints because that's what I'm kind of going to touch on today. Um, I met someone or bumped into someone very recently who actually who I thought was Greek actually, but he turned out to be Iraqi. And the conversation we went on to have or what he went on to tell me was that he's very interested in player development in Iraq. And he went on to tell me that he'd raised um, a lot of money, to be fair, in regards to going to Iraq and actually setting up a lot... It's not setting up a lot, but setting up a games programme or something of the sort to develop football in that part of the world. And this morning, it made me think in regards to what the next generation of... Well, the next generation or the emerging countries in regards to teams or national teams are going to be playing very very good football and at the back of my mind or certainly the forefront of my mind right now is I'm thinking of Matoma for Brighton and the reason why I say that is because I'm going to say in the far east in places like Japan um, and I'm going to say South Korea who we played in the the World Cup you've got those sort of teams who maybe 10, 15, maybe even 20 years ago may have been looked upon as maybe third, fourth tier footballing nations whereas now I would say they're emerging nations because I think Japan I think beat Germany only recently I think over the past maybe week or so or certainly in the previous international games and that goes to show you that football has come a long way or well, certainly um it, yeah it's, it's come a long way but at the same time I feel there's so much more room and growth to happen for those nations and I, I have to include Ghana in that as well because I guess the the journey or the yeah, the journey and the path is never... It never ends, really, does it? You know, like, for example, Spain would have won the World Cup in 2010 and the Euros in 2008 and 2012. And then maybe that's it for that generation, but there's another generation following that. And I say all that to say this in some respect, because I'm going to get to... I'm not going to read my article, but I'm going to read maybe where I drew the inspiration and maybe bits and pieces of the article that I actually wrote, to which will come out, let's say, in the next week or so. So hopefully that'll be some good reading for you. And I'll get to the title in just a moment and why I named it that. In fact, I'll tell you what the title is and I'm going to backtrack. So the name of the title is, We Can't Be Our Best Selves. No, sorry. We Can't Be Our Best Until... We Can't Be Us... Sorry. We Can't Be Our Best Until You're Your... Let me say that again. We can't be our best until you're the best. And I guess that speaks to maybe from maybe a player, player perspective, looking at a coach or looking at the federation, etc., etc., as to we can't do... We can we can only be as good as the, the tools and the frameworks that are available. And I'll get to the article. I'll certainly read parts of the article very, very shortly. But what I want to do is I want to... No, 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 no. I was going to start moving around. I don't want to do that. Let's stick on this subject. So what I want to do very, very quickly is I'm going to read where I got the inspiration for the article. And I'll touch upon some of the bits and pieces from Kurt Krakow in just a moment. But this is in regards to one or two of the teams that have made the CAF Confederations Cup. But I'll get to that in just a moment. So I'm going to read very briefly a summary of the article in which I got inspiration from this. And I think you can find some very, very good articles on Medium. So this is by a, a fellow called Mark Upton on Medium. I'm going to read the first two paragraphs of this 
of this article and then from there I'm going to go to what would be our article, my article, and then I'm going to hopefully provide some somewhat, sort of a summary. So, so the article is Constraints, so the title is Constraints and Play Development of Football. And this was written in 2017. So, it starts off with, in the backyard of an Australian home, a young boy tries to chip a football over a small pond into mini goals on the other side. In Brazil, teens playing on a rocky and dusty street show off exquisite first touch show off exquisite first touch skills as the ball reacts in an unpredictable way off the playing surface. In England, a seven-year-old successfully attempts a back heel pass to a teammate during practice, but is, told by his to- but is told by his coach to stick to the basics. In Spain, an experienced youth team coach creates conditioned small-sided game, or creates a small-sided game to work on quick transitions with his players. In Germany, Kids are fully engaged for hours on end-to-end game. Sorry, are engaged for hours on end. On sorry, are engaged for hours on end playing a game of football in a local park, and in a youth game in the United States, the bigger, faster, and stronger boy dribbles all the way from the halfway line into the box and scores. <clears throat> the following paragraph: If you have been involved in Sorry, if you've been involved with the development of young players for a period of time, you appreciate the above examples can influence their learning, or can influence their learning. You also may implicitly, or implicitly, or explicitly understand is is a complex or is a mixed complex of these experiences, these experiences and factors that shape the development of young of a young person and hopefully their future success. What you may not be aware of is the theatrical and growing empirical evidence base that captures and models the above and can help us manage this complexity to facilitate positive player development outcomes. And I think what this article goes on to do, and I'm going to hopefully summarise in just a moment, it talks about frameworks and things that are nature. And I guess with the first paragraph in which I read, I think you could take from it that there's so many different different environments in which football takes place is very difficult to pinpoint to one structure one framework and say this is what you need to do so for example and and i guess this is what i talk about in the article in that in ghana there are so many different i don't know let me say there's so many different but there are frameworks in which we may look at it to be fair and think you know what i'm not too sure this works or there's a lack of investment or a lack of resources but within though within that environment there are positives or certainly learning outcomes and learning experiences and i don't think you can it's, it's it's very difficult or you shouldn't take that away from from the framework that we currently have and i think we need to understand or certainly you know sometimes it can be negative negative ne- negative whereas actually there are a lot of good things that come from it and i'll get to my article in a moment in fact i'm probably going to encourage people to read it so i'm not going to go into all of it as such um i wanted to say something um, I completely forgot what it was. But I'm going to go into the article very, very quickly, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into what Kurt Kraku said and um, kind of draw 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 this podcast to a close for the fortnight. So, as I mentioned before, we can't be our best until you're, until you're, until you're the best. And the reason why I said that is because I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, I think it was one of the sport ministers has said that they want to invest into the coaching. And... I guess we've probably heard that line before, and that's, I'm not taking that away from the individual. I guess that's something which would have been would have been said a long 
would have been said sorry everywhere, you know, whether it's investing in government, investing in football, and I'm talking about every country around the world. But actually, the frameworks that we currently have, can we actually use those social, those social dynamics, you know, and let me get to this, sorry. Um, so I've not looked at this article in a good couple of days. And I was, so, thank you, here we are. The social cultural constraints, you know, the constraints or even, let's forget the constraints. I think we, sometimes we don't draw the inspiration from those things in, in terms of how they shape a player's skill or their attitude, you know, and who they are as people. So let me just go into how I describe the article, which I just read in our article. Um, blah, 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 blah. Ah, here we are. The, art, the article introduced concepts from dynamical systems theory and complexity theory, specifically non-linitary. Oh God, here we are. And specifically non-linitary and constraints, which help explain the unpredictable nature of talent development, which I just mentioned before. You know, there's not one way in which to develop a player. Constraints can be environmental, task-related, or personal factors that impact a player's development journey. As I mentioned before, the environment in the UK is completely different to the environment in Ghana. Likewise Spain, likewise Brazil. And in our article, I talk about the difference in regards to... Because I know in the previous podcast, we spoke about um, funding and resources and things of that nature. And then what I did was I drew comparison between the UK and also Ghana. But then also I drew comparison between how South America being successful in terms of exporting their talents to, to Europe. Anyway, continuing. Um, constraints be... Constraints can be environmental, task-related, or personal factors that impact a player's development journey. A lot of what, a lot which would affect players from Africa. It stresses the importance of a constraints-led approach, which I think is really, really important. And I hadn't really even even thought about that before, because I think, I think, you know, we can all be, we can we we can have a framework and be blue and have like a blue sky thinking, but I guess. I guess by having that that frame of thought, I guess you might always have constraints in some respect as to you're always trying to almost reach outside of the box or reach outside of your constraints, your financial constraints, your the constraints you have by, by way of resources. I hope that makes sense anyway because I'm actually trying to make sense of it whilst I'm thinking of it. Um, but let me, let me continue. It stresses the importance of a constraints-led approach and non-linear Pedagogy. I don't even know how to pronounce that. So it's P-E-D-A-G-O-G-Y. In coaching and practice session design. And I like that, by the way. I guess, basically, use the resources you have available. You know, take advantage of the environment that you have. Continuing. In the short term, coaches can manipulate task constraints to create specific learning experiences for the players. This approach promotes player-centered learning and encourages players to explore different possibilities within boundaries. The article acknowledges that this approach may require more effort in planning practical activities. And the reason why I say this is because the minister who spoke of actually providing more resources or certainly qualifying more coaches, which is important, but I think I think by looking outside of our constraints or certainly thinking or talking about bringing in more resources, I think is 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 rhetoric that we'll we'll, we'll we'll say and do for forever and a day. But actually, if we look closer to home, I think if we use the resources and the constraints that we are confined to, I think there's probably a bit of a goldmine there in that it actually encourages the coaches to be a bit more experimental or a bit more creative, and it bring and it may potentially bring out the best 
in these players, which obviously, which is kind of why, in some respect, I talk about we can't be our best until you're the best. If we can be more creative, then I think we're more likely to see the best in these players, or certainly bring out the best in these players, both as players, but at the same time as people. Um, continuing, because I'm yeah, continuing, looking at long-term player development. The article considers the broader context beyond coaching session and matches. It explores the impact of various constraints, such as the type of experiences players have, their physical attributes and their social cultural influences. So in Ghana, I guess, let's use Essien as an example. Like he's known to have been, well, they called him the, oh, I was going to say the ox. That's not quite right. That's not quite right. Oh no. Um, well, you know what I'm talking about. The ox, no. Um, oh, it's just lost on me. Anyway, he was known to be almost like that big physical imposing individual in the middle of the park so let me read that again explores the impact of various constraints such as the type of experience experiences players have so whether it's thomas Partey, um Essien, a lot of them would have traveled the same path in terms of going to europe whether it's going to europe early or going to europe late playing that um um, let's say a lowly side, for example, and then gradually making their way into what would be like one of the one of the better markets in football. And I'm talking about your England, your Spain, and your Italy in some respect. You know, we all would have travelled that same that same path. Can we use those experiences to provide better knowledge and wisdom to the players coming through of this generation? Um, and then social cultural influences. I think there there are things within our culture. I think our culture is so rich. So, so rich that I think we actually forget. And in so, we don't actually take advantage of it. Because I think we're always drawing comparison to what's taking place in Europe, etc., etc., etc. And what we don't have, rather than what we do have. But continuing. It suggests that a player development is influenced by a combination of structured coaching, unstructured play, and cultural values. Come on. Cultural values, we have we have that in abundance. Unstructured play. First of all, that's where the essence of football is in, in structured play. In terms of that's where you get the pure enjoyment, you know, the passion, etc., etc. Structured coach, structured coaching is really, really important, and I guess we we need more of that in some respect. But I don't think that's very difficult, easy to, easy for me to say. But I don't think that's very, very difficult to put together, you know, in in its raw essence, you know, just not put a couple cones down. It's a bit more difficult than that. But you know what I'm referring to. You know what I mean? Social cultural. Sorry, let me just jump in the gun. This is great because I think investment generally is needed. And I'll highlight this below with the comparison. So this is what I say in the article. But harnessing, but harnessing what we currently have within the confines of social, cultural influences, etc. And things like jammers, you know, they're, they're cultural things. I think these things are really, really important. Do you know... Do you know I'm an Arsenal fan, and of recent time, Arsenal have been the 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 environment, or the certainly the the atmosphere in the Emirates has really come to a fore, and I think that's made a massive difference to the side because it's almost made the Emirates a bit of a fortress, and I think things such as jammers, which are culturally ingrained in in our footballing in our footballing footballing heritage, I think you can use these things to your advantage. Um, two more paragraphs. Social cultural constraints are influential in shaping a player's skills and attitudes. The article suggests that creating a club environment with positive social cli- with positive social cultural climate is crucial for player development. It emphasizes that player development is a complex process and offers and offers sorry 
key questions for reflection rather than providing definite answers or yeah definite answers that's really really important also when it comes to coaching can you actually create an environment where players and coaches are actually beginning to question themselves and actually look for answers i think within the environments that we have i think within all our environments i think you can find questions and answers and i think if we find a way to become a bit more reflective within our coaching i think we are more likely to bring the best out of our ourselves to be fair but our players and I'm going to conclude this article, or certainly conclude the talking of this article, well, with the summary, actually. Um, so, concluding or summarising, the article encourages coaches and those involved in player development to embrace a holistic view of the learning process and consider the multifaceted nature of constraints that influence young players. It promotes ongoing reflection and learning to navigate complexity, sorry, the complexity of player development successfully. I'm going to leave that there. There are a number of things I'm going to talk about to constraints in Africa, and I'll just read through them very, very quickly. Limited financial resources, in a, in a, inadequate infrastructure, lack of qualified coaches, competition and exposure, educational support, welfare and social challenges, scouting and recruitment, player pathways, administrative, administrative and regulatory hurdles, we bloody know that, youth development structures, which is kind of player migration, political and economic instability. I'm going to leave it there because I draw comparison with... Um, um, or I use those things to talk about. Um, well, I draw comparison with Europe, and then I go on to talk about South America and stuff like that. Um, but I'm gonna leave that there because I think that'll be interesting reading in about a week's time for yourselves. Um, but what I'm gonna do very very quickly, I'm gonna talk about something which Kurt Okraku mentioned very quickly. Um, I was thinking about this actually in regards to the oh no the World Club Cup in regards to the club from South Africa. I'm gonna say. T.P. Mazebi, I think it is, who were the first club, the first African club to reach the final of the World Club Cup in 2010. I don't know why that drew my attention about a week ago, but I really wanted to bring that up again um, when they played Inter Milan. I think they lost 2-0. Um, but no, it links kind of well in regards to this, to this article on GhanaSoccerNet.com. Ghana, FA president, Kurt Kraku applauds um, Dreams and... Oh, I can't even pronounce his name. Medima... So basically applause Medima and Dreams FC for group stage qualification. And it, well, no, it's, it's good. You cannot take away the achievement of qualify, qualifying. But for Ghana, who, uh, who were, um, um, you know, at the forefront of, of African football, we're now, you know, at a point where, very similar to Man United and that, where we're applauding, no, I'm not going to say mediocrity. That's wrong. Um, well, we're not in the place where we once were. Um, so... Yeah, I'm going to read this article very quickly. Ghana Football Association President Kerr Kraku has extended his heartfelt congratulations to the Medima CF, SC, sorry, and Dreams of C following their remarkable qualification to the group stages of the CAF interclub competitions. Congratulations, that for myself. Medima SC's historic journey to the CAF Champions League group stage was sealed with an impressive victory over Guinean giants AC Horare. Horoya. Apologies. Sorry, I didn't realise this was the Champions League. So, I will, so I'll definitely be looking out for this. In fact, I'll look out for them anyway. Anyway, continuing. Despite losing 2-1 in the second leg, um, they progressed through a 4-3 aggregate win in both legs. This achievement marks Medima as the first Ghanaian club in over a decade and a half to secure a Champions... to secure a place in the prestigious money zone. <laughs> yeah, money, money zone of the CAF Champions League. A remarkable feat in the club's history. 
Meanwhile, Dreams FC, in their debut appearance in the CAF Confederation Cup, have also made history. The Ghanaian club overcame FC Calon in both legs, securing a place in the group stage of the CAF Confederations Cup. Okay, superb. I'm very happy and very proud. And I'll be looking over this over the next couple of weeks to find out what's taking place and obviously their progress. Likewise, I think it was the the new African um, Super League. So we'll definitely be covering it in the next couple of weeks. Or certainly I'll provide some sort of update. Anyway, thank you for um, listening in. I'm not too sure how long I've been talking for. Hopefully not too long, 20 minutes. Um, and I look forward to seeing you in the next couple of weeks. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnieu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnieu on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.